one. I did have outlines out and available for you, but I picked them all up this morning because I was hearing about all these churches and they said, don't be giving out any bulletins or paper. You'll spread all of the germs. So I, they're back there on my desk. So you can get one later on if, you, if you'd like to have one. Ephesians chapter 1. We've been watching, or we watched the movie, uh, two weeks in a row actually, Overcomer. We saw it two weeks ago on Sunday night. What a powerful movie. We showed it again last Sunday night for those that had not been able to see it. Uh, so far for me, it's, it's the most powerful movie that I've ever seen. It's the po- most powerful story that I've ever come across. I showed a clip last Sunday morning. I want to show you another clip today. And it's, it's just unbelievable how this movie clip maybe really fits right where we are. I think you'll enjoy it. Those of you that have seen the movie, you're going to remember everything that's going on around it. But it's a, a hospital room visit. I want you to listen, listen and watch this for a moment. Well, I only have one runner, and she's got asthma, so I have to figure out. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold up. You, you lost your ball team. You changed sports, and you still got no team. Well, that's sad even for me. <laughs> well, you, you see why I'm so frustrated. Yeah, actually, I do. This year, I had the players. I had the schedule. I mean, this was going to be our year. I'm sorry. I'm going to dump on you. Sean, if I asked you who you are, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I'm a basketball coach. And if that's stripped away? Well, I'm also a history teacher. Okay. We take that away. Who are you? Well, I'm a husband. I'm a father. And God forbid that should ever change. But if it does, who are you? I don't understand this game. It's not a game, man. Who are you? Um, I'm a white American male. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. (laughs) Is there anything else? Well, I'm a Christian. And what's that mean? It means follower of Christ. And how important is that? It's very important. Interesting. All right, so far down your list. Okay, wait a minute. I could have easily said Christian first. Yeah, but you didn't. Look, John. Your identity will be tied to whatever you give your heart to. Doesn't sound like the Lord has first place. You're calling me a bad Christian? Let me be a little direct. Last time you were here, you said you'd pray for me. Did you? No. No. For someone who knows the Lord... You're acting like somebody who doesn't, which makes me wonder. What have you allowed to define you? 
when you lost your team, it didn't just disappoint you. It devastated you. Something or someone will have first place in your heart. But when you find your identity in the one who created you, it'll change your whole perspective. We're in a series entitled, uh, Who Am I in Christ? And we're looking at several things through this chapter 1 in the book of uh, Ephesians. Last week, we saw four different aspects of who I am as a Christian, as a believer. Just reviewing that for a moment. I am blessed. I am chosen. I am holy. And that word holy does not mean perfected or perfection. It means set apart. And then we looked at I am blameless. As I stand before Jesus Christ, I am blameless of my sin. Because I have been forgiven by Him, I've been cleansed of Him. Now today we're going to look at three other words. One of them we looked at somewhat last week. But we're going to expand it a little bit. What we're going to look at this week is I am chosen, I am adopted, and I am beloved by God. Now, if we go to the first uh, verse, let me begin reading actually here in verse number 3. We're looking at verses 3 and 4, 5 in this area today. How blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, in every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, in, in heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. Now, we read through those verses last week as well as we did this week. But I want to come back and I want to study a little bit about this this morning. Some of these things are very profound in what we see. Notice the first one there, the word chosen there in that verse number 4. He says that Jesus chose me. Jesus chose you. Now this is if you're a Christian, if you're a believer. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you know Him as your Savior and Lord. He chose you, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world. Now that, that's almost too hard for us to even comprehend, isn't it? How that, how that that could happen. How in the world could God choose me to follow Him, to be a Christian, how could God choose and decide to save me even before the world was ever created? Even before I was ever created, how in the world could God do something like that? Well, I want you to listen very closely to this next statement, and I've, I'm going to read it off to you because I don't want to, um, to say anything 
uh, that would mislead you, okay? I am not a Calvinist in my theology. I do not believe, I do not believe that God chose this person and that he rejected that person. He chose that person and he rejected that person. Chose this one, didn't choose that one. No. No, not at all. That, that's Calvinistic theology. And, and, and true Calvinism in, in its ultimate form would say God predestined the saved to heaven and he also predestined the lost to hell. I would stop preaching today if I believed anything like that. I do not believe that. So don't, don't let this idea of God chose you before the foundation of the world uh, cause you to fret. Listen, listen, and, and here is the key. Chosen does not imply that others were left out. Rather, God in His wisdom knew who would trust Jesus as their Savior and believe in Him from the foundation of the world. You see, when this says God chose us, that's saying that is what an awesome God we serve. That before I was ever born, before you were ever born, before any of us were ever created and placed upon this earth, that God who knows all things knew that there would come a moment and a time in my life when I would embrace Jesus and trust Him as my Savior and Lord. And God, knowing that, predestined and chose me. To be one of his children. What an awesome and powerful God. Don't let ever let anybody tell you. That he didn't choose some. And that's why they can never be saved. That is just not biblical teaching. So anyway we're going to move ahead quickly. We're getting on. Man I might get to want to preach too hard on that. Let me just take us on another little journey for a moment that just sort of underscores what what I'm talking about here. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 53 to 58, and also in John chapter 6, you can read these scriptures, and here's what you're going to read if you go and take the time to read through that. You will find Jesus coming into his own hometown. And when he gets to his hometown... They had heard that he had performed all of these mighty acts and miracles everywhere he went. But when he came to his hometown, the people were looking at him sort of in an unusual way. And they were whispering to one another, Why isn't that the son of Joseph? Isn't his dad a carpenter? Wasn't Mary his mother? Didn't he grow up all around us? We saw him growing up as a little kid. And all of a sudden, all of this crowd was murmuring and they were whispering. And they were just wanting to see what Jesus was going to do. And here are the words of Jesus. Here are the words of the scripture. It says, in that location, in his hometown, Jesus could do no mighty works among them. He, couldn't, he didn't raise the dead. He didn't heal the sick. He didn't 
do any of those miracles of opening blind eyes, unstopping deaf ears, giving limbs, making limbs whole, none of that. And Jesus looked at the people and he said to the people, the reason that I cannot do and am not able to do any of these miracles among you is because you don't have faith in me. You don't believe me. I know what you've been saying, but you don't believe who I am. My friend, i tell you what, I, I, in the last several months, I have done a study throughout the New Testament on faith. I've looked at Scripture in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I've looked at it everywhere. I've looked at it upside down, sideways, this way, that way. Just trying to figure out all of these miracles and all of these things God did. All of the healings that God did. All of the answered prayer that God did. And folks, here's what you come up with if you do an extensive study in the New Testament. All of that movement, much of that hinges on the faith of another person. When you and I do not have faith in God, we've limited Him. When we don't believe God can, He says, okay, I won't. Sometimes, not every time. But the Bible makes it very clear. Our faith in Jesus, in Christ, in God, believing that He will and that He can and that He desires to, our faith propels God to do great and mighty things among us. I would say, let's exercise that faith in this time, in our crisis, in our world where we're living and see the mighty power and the mighty work of God in action. The Bible tells us in John 1, verses 11 and 12, it tells us that Jesus came to His own, His own people. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. That doesn't mean that God did not want to save those people. It means those people did not and were not willing to place their faith in Jesus Christ and trust Him as Savior and Lord. And, and God knew that before the very foundation of the world. But it says in the next verse, verse 12, But as many of us as receive Him, to them give, gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on His name. I want to go to the second part of this sermon, be point number two, looking at our uh, scripture for a moment, down there in verse number five for a moment. Notice it says in this scripture that God has predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. Predestined to adoption. Now, I think I've pretty well covered that word predestined, right? We don't know, need to go back and go over all that again. Okay. But here's the key. Since God knew you would believe, since God knew you would trust Jesus as your Savior before the foundation of the world, since God knew all of that about what you were going to do in your life, He chose you. And now it says that you are also predestined to the adoption of sons. 
Now that phrase, the adoption of sons, is a very, very powerful, powerful phrase, a very powerful word. All of us know something about adoption, don't we? Well, I want to turn to the book of Romans for just a moment. Romans, and I'm going to read a couple of verses here in Romans chapter number 8. And I want you to follow me for for just a second here in this scripture passage in Romans chapter 8. I want to look at verses 15 through 17 for a moment. Now notice Paul saying to the Roman Christians, the Roman believers. And by the way, the Bible is written basically to Christian people. It's written to believers. It's written to people that have placed their faith and trusted in Christ. That doesn't mean a lost person can't read it and get saved, but it's, it's telling us who God has written the word to. It's, it's us Christians. And the verse 15 of Romans chapter 8, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. You see, we do not have a spirit of fear because we're a Christian, because we know Jesus. Who are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? Our Master, our Lord, our God is sovereign over all of the universe. We read it in Psalm 103 today. So our God is sovereign over all. We're His children We're adopted into his family. Now, the reason the word adoption is used here is because of Jesus Christ who has the rights of being God's heir. Notice this next verse for a moment. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ... Now look at what Paul is saying to the believer. Jesus Christ, whom I sent into the world, whom the Jews rejected, whom the people of that day, many of them rejected, he could do no miracles, no work among many of them who rejected him because of their lack of faith in who he was. Then he's come to you and you've received him. He is my son, he is my heir. He's over all this universe. He's seated in heavenly places with me. And he is there at my throne. And he is Lord over all. He is my heir. Everything that I have belongs to my son. I've given him every bit of it. Now look at what Paul does. He says, but you as a believer... You are an adopted heir of God. You are joint heirs with Jesus. We are equal with Christ in the presence of God because we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's what we studied last week when we saw the Bible said we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ and with Christ. Because we're His. My friend, it is time that we as a believer stop stop living beneath what God has saved us for. 
Stop living like the world and live like children of the king. Our God is in control. Our God rules and reigns over everything. And we're his. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So Jesus says to us, everything I share in, you're going to share in. Everything I receive, you're going to receive. All the joy I'm going to have, you're going to have. All the victory of heaven I have, you're going to have. You are joint heirs with me. Who would have a child among us by natural birth? But then you would later on go and adopt another child who was adopted into your family. Are you going to show partiality between the two? Not at all. Your adopted child, you're going to love just like your own. The one you gave birth to. Your adopted child is going to be as much of the family and as much involved in everything you have as the adopted child would. And that's what God, that, that's a poor analogy. It, it's not even an adequate analogy. But that's what God is trying to tell us. This is what Paul is saying to the Ephesians. Here is who you are. I am, I am chosen. I am adopted into the family of God. There's one more that I want you to look at and it's down in verse, verse number 6. And I tell you, this, this one takes some real study to even figure it out. But I think that's just the way we, we are. I'm actually going to read verse 5 and following. Having been predestined to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. Now that's, for, that's a phrase, that phrase accepted into the beloved has always been a little bit bewildering when you read it or hear somebody say it. I used to be the pastor of a, of a man many, many years ago and he would also always in his prayer, he would make reference to thank you God that I'm accepted in the beloved. And at that time, I hadn't really studied it the way I needed to. And, and I appreciated what he was saying. But I just, I kept wondering, what, what's he talking about? I'm, I'm accepted in the beloved. And he, he, that was in every prayer that he ever, ever prayed, that I ever heard him pray. And thank you, God, that I'm accepted in the beloved. Well, I finally one day began to study that out and said, you know, what, what is this? What does this mean? I am accepted in the beloved. Well, I thought God loved everybody. Isn't that what you thought? Isn't that what we think? Isn't that what preachers tell us? Isn't that what John 3.16 says? For God so loved the world, and he's talking about the whole world. Well, I thought God loved everybody. Well, my friend, listen to me closely. God does love everybody. But not everybody Loves God. Now I want you to let that sink in for a moment. I want you to think about that. God loves everybody on the face of this earth. That's who God is. God is love. But everybody does not love God 
And this accepted in the beloved is this. When you realize God loves you, and so in return, you express your love back to God the way God wants you to express your love back to Him. When you express your love back to God, then you are accepted in the Beloved. We get into a different category of person. We get into a different element of humanity. We come into a different level of being God's created children on planet earth when we are accepted in the beloved. Because not everybody's in this, in this group. Not everybody is accepted in the beloved. That's why Paul mentions it here. And it's why he said you were chosen, you've been adopted, and you are accepted in the Beloved. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a second. But I want to read you a verse of Scripture from the book of Jude. In fact, if you want to turn there and look at it, Jude Jude deals with this. Jude is the next to the last book of the Bible. The Revelation is the last book. But Jude is one chapter long. It's 25 verses. It's right at the end. And when Jude began to write his book, he said, I wanted to write about our common salvation, but God wouldn't let me. And God wanted me to write this book to you about defending the faith in the last days. But when we go on and read through the book of Jude, I want you to notice verse 21 from 20 and 21. But you, beloved, no, what that? You, beloved, evidently these folks are accepted in the beloved. That's why I called them that you, you, beloved. He's not talking about the lost world out there calling them the beloved. That term is reserved. For God's children, the chosen, the adopted into the family of God, those that have expressed faith in Jesus Christ, that's who the beloved is. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Well, that connects with Romans 8. Romans 8 said, I know that I belong to Jesus, I know that I'm adopted into the family of God because the Holy Spirit of God bears witness with my spirit that I'm His Son. Listen to me, friend. If you've never been saved, right now I'm talking about this. There is a catch, there's an uneasiness down deep inside of you and you're not sure that you've ever been saved. You're not sure that you've ever been brought into the beloved. You're not sure that you're among this group that's been adopted into the family of God. Do you know why you're unsettled about that? It's because the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. That's what Paul said. The Holy Spirit is going to convince you and bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God, that you've been accepted in the Beloved. And my friend, if you don't have that peace in your heart that you belong to Jesus Christ, that you're a part of the Beloved, you ought to just trust Him right now, pray right there where you sit, and come forward when this invitation is given in a moment. 
because it's not worth chancing. We are accepted and beloved, keeping yourself in the love of God. Verse 21, keep yourself in the love of God. How in the world do I do that? How do I keep myself in the love of God? What does it look like if I get outside the love of God? Well, if I get outside the love of God, guess what God's going to do? He's going to chasten me. He's going to chastise me. God is going to create situations in my life, create situations all around me that are very unsettling to me. Because I've gotten out of His will and I'm not walking in fellowship with Him. That's what it means to get out of the love of God. Not that you're lost, but that you are estranged from God. You don't really sense the closeness of of God in your life. Because you know there are things in your life that are not pleasing to the Lord. And so that's why he says, But you, beloved, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. What a powerful, powerful word that is. I'm just going to close with this one thought. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, I'll just quote this verse to you, or what, what parts of it I can remember, is First John chapter number 5. Well, I tell you, I'm close enough to it, I'm just going to turn there. First John chapter number 5, verse 11 and 12, we're going to close here. And I want to ask you a question. You say, Pastor, how do I know what you've, been, what you've preached on today? How do I know whether or not I've been saved? How do I know if I'm a part of the beloved that you're talking about here? I know God loves everybody, but I'm not sure I'm loving God back the way that I'm supposed to so that I'm a part of the beloved. Well, I want to ask you a question. If you went out on the street today and you were to ask people, do you love God How many people you think you would come across that would tell you, no, you're not going to meet anybody like that, most likely. If you walked out of this building today and said to other people, do you love God? They're going to say, well, sure. Well, sure, I love God. Why? Why wouldn't anybody love God? But I'm going to tell you something, friend. Do you know how much... An answer of yes to the question, do you love God? Do you know how much uh, leverage that has with holy God in heaven? I'm going to tell you, none. None. Zero. You're verbalizing that you love God carries no weight with God in heaven. Now this is what the New Testament says. This is not Joel Wood speaking. But I want to tell you something. If you want to know, and if you want God to know that you love Him, you know what you need to do? You need to embrace His Son, Jesus Christ. You need to trust His Son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. Because all through the New Testament, Jesus dealt with people that said, We love God, but we don't want anything to do with you, Jesus. We love God, but we're not going to follow you, Jesus. And Jesus... Until he was blue in the face. 
till he breathed his last breath on Calvary's tree. And then after he arose from the grave, those 40 days that he was here on earth until he went back to heaven, Jesus Christ himself continued to say it over and over again. If you, if you love God, you're going to love me, his son. If you trust God, you're going to trust me, Jesus, his son. If you reject the Father, you're rejecting me, the son. It is the Father who sent me. And if you don't receive the one the Father has sent, you are rejecting the Father. My friend, you can say all day long, anybody in the world can say all day long, I love God. They may be talking about Jehovah. They may be talking about the mountains. They may be talking about some God of some idol in some foreign land. All day long you can say, do you love God? Yes, I love God. But that does not get you a part of being in the Beloved. you love Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord? That is the New Testament. I'm ending in these two verses. 1 John 5, 11 and 12. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. The testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His who? Are you all looking at that? In His Son. This life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. My friend, to be among the beloved, to be among the beloved, a part of the beloved, here's what it means. It means I know that God loves me and God knows that I love Him. Because of how I treat His Son. And I've brought His Son into my life as my Lord and Savior. And when I bring Jesus and confess and ask Him to be my Savior, He comes into my life and I become a part of the Beloved that we've been talking about all morning long. That's why our motto this year to glorify God by honoring Jesus. And then on down the list we go. But it's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. How can Jesus use me in the world that I'm living in? He's my Savior. The Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm His. Does that happen in your life? Would you pray with me? We're going to sing our invitation hymn. If God has spoken to you today and you would like to trust Christ as your Savior and Lord, I'm going to be here at the altar. I will pray with you. I will encourage you if today you would come and say, Pastor, today 
I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be loved by God for eternity. I want this eternal life that only comes through Jesus Christ. I want that in my life, and I trust Him today. I'll pray with you, friend, if you will make that decision for Christ. Lord, have your way. Guide us in our moment of invitation. May lives be touched and changed. May people be saved and come to know you this morning here in our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.